Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number four of Industry Matters, powered by the VGM Group. I'm your host, Colin Brecker, and as always, very happy that you're joining us again this week. In this episode, we will be taking a little road trip down Reimbursement Road and talking with the VGM reimbursement team of Dan Fedor and Rhonda Burmester and talk about a couple of different topics, including uh, participating versus non-participating status and how important knowing what your status with Medicare is, as well as taking a look at uh, why the number of ABNs or advanced beneficiary notices are increasing and how suppliers can properly use them and when to utilize them if they so choose. Whether you are a 20-year veteran of billing Medicare or a brand new supplier, I think all who listen to this will gain something from Dan and Rhonda's insight on these topics. Today's presenting sponsor is SoClean. Getting the best home CPAP experience is a snap thanks to SoClean, the world's first automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. SoClean kills 99.9% of germs and bacteria in the CPAP mask, hose, and reservoir with no disassembly, no water, and most importantly, no chemicals. And now, VGM Fulfillment is a select distributor offering standardized map pricing for all customers. For more information, contact your Fulfillment customer service representative or email fulfillmentsales at vgm.com today. Today we'll sit down with Dan Fedor and Rhonda Burmester. Dan has been in the HME industry for over 25 years and currently serves as the Compliance Director for VGM and U.S. Rehab members. He's available to assist members with documentation requirements, audits, and compliance, and specializes in mobility products. And Rhonda, also as a U.S. US Rehab and VGM associate since 2012, Rhonda specializes in the billing and reimbursement side of claims. Rhonda is a respiratory therapist uh, as well as a certified mastectomy fitter and she also assists members with the review of claims of all types and audits and also educates members on medical policies in the respiratory and face-to-face ruling as well as general DME areas. Dan and Rhonda, welcome to Industry Matters and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Colin. So I want to kick it off and, and talk about assigned claims versus non-assigned uh, and, and I'll direct this one to you, Rhonda. Can you kind of go into the difference of of what these are and what it means for providers, perhaps some advantages of going non-assigned? Sure. Um, let's start with the um, importance of what your enrollment status is. And this is where many suppliers aren't sure what their enrollment status is, and it's not that it's bad business that they don't know. It's just enrollment status was established many years ago when they started the business or um, inherited the business and just forgot basically what it was. And the reason they didn't really pay attention to it mainly was because the reimbursement rates have always been um, acceptable. So it really didn't matter at that time. Now we're at that time and we've been at that time where it's important to know the enrollment status. And we've seen actually suppliers changing their status more and more to that non-participating enrollment status. Now, there's a lot of 
myths out there um, on what the difference is between all of or between the two statuses. Um, the main thing to know is when you are a participating supplier, basically it means you're accepting Medicare speed schedule. There are no other benefits out of it other than Medicare will list you in their supplier directory. There's no more money. Um, there's there's nothing um, that is a benefit to the supplier when they say I'm a participating because they're always going to, going to accept assignment. Um, with the non-participating supplier, that's where they can have choices and they make those choices on a claim-by-claim -claim status or they can choose certain products um, and what we're hearing a lot in the industry on those products for those suppliers that are doing non-assigned claims or they'll do non-assigned on a lot of the a lot of the bet and metal, so your walkers and um, canes, crutches, those kinds of things. And hearing more and more of some of the rental products, um, such as the nubs, I've even heard manual wheelchairs, the standard manuals like K1s, and even um, the CPAP machine. So when they do non-assigned claim, what they're doing is setting their charge where they need to set that charge so they can meet their margin, collect that money from that patient up front, They'll still submit the claim for the patient to Medicare, and when they submit that claim to Medicare, they'll um, the reimbursement then goes to that patient, and that patient will get 80% of the allowed amount. So the key piece of that is even making sure the patient understands that it's not 80% of what they paid the supplier, but it's 80% of what Medicare's allowable is. So it'll be a lower reimbursement for what they'll get, but they'll still get something. So that's what the message is, that you still get something. Um, so that's what we're starting to see more of, and suppliers have already flipped to the non-participating and doing non-assigned claims, So we're hearing it more and more from the industry, um, even today. And from a lot of your conversations with members, it isn't, as you mentioned, it's not uncommon for them to, A, not know that they have the option, uh, but B, also not exactly know what their status might be. Is there, a, is there a certain time of year that providers can go change their status for those that may not know, or can they do it tomorrow, Can they, or do they have to wait for a specific time period, maybe the end of the year? Well, that's a really good question because there is um, only one opportunity to do that, so they only have open enrollment available with a national supplier clearinghouse from November 15th through the end of the year, each year. So if they wanted to change it today, they couldn't. They'd have to wait until November 15th. And then that goes into effect January 1. Also know that um, there's a lot of confusion, too, because suppliers think, okay, I'll change my enrollment status to non-participating. So January 1, that means I have to do a non-assigned claim. That's not true. You can change your processes when you are ready for that because you have to make sure the education is um, – brought to the employees efficiently so they know the right message to deliver to those patients. So it's not, we don't always want that negative message to be there, but w explaining why they're doing it um, to the employees and then employees to those patients. So, um, so come January 1, business can continue as usual. And then when the supplier is ready to change that, that um, process of going to non-assigned claim, determining by which product category they want to do that, um, then they can do that whenever they're ready for that. So that's what's important. And it's also important, and correct me if I'm wrong, but suppliers who, 
have been awarded a competitive bidding contract have to accept assignment. As of now, uh, while we don't exactly know at this point what the next competitive bidding program might look like in 2019, but in the past and, and as of now, suppliers who have been awarded those contracts have to take assignment. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. So that's always the what I call the disclaimer that needs to be out there is when you're um, when we're talking about non-assigned claims, you have to keep in mind if you're in a bid area and if you have a contract, you cannot do a non-assigned claim on those items that you have a contract with. Now, now when you are a contracted supplier with Medicare, you can still be enrolled as a non-participating supplier and you can still do non-assigned claims, but those would be on those product categories that are not part of the bid. And those could be, you know, your wound dressings, your ostomy supplies, even the breast prosthetics are part of that, ventilators. There's actually a whole slew of product categories that are not part of the bid. And as a non-participating supplier, then you can do a non-assigned claim on those products. You can still be enrolled as non-participating. You don't have to be a participating supplier to be a contracted supplier. You just have to accept assignment on those items that you have accepted the bid on. Perfect. Thank you for the clarification there. Um, I'd kind of like to shift gears to Dan uh, and talk about ABNs or advanced beneficiary notices where we've, I've heard and, and I think we've seen an uptick in the number of these ABNs going out. Dan, do you have any insight as to why that's happening? Oh, yes. Actually, I do, Colin, and thank you. Um, that is a very good question. We, we receive this regularly uh, throughout the week uh, because this isn't on the uptick. Uh, it is something that providers are using more. Um, what an ABN is, it's exactly what you said. It's an advanced beneficiary notice, and it's for either denial, uh, where the providers identified the equipment will be denied, but the patient still wants the equipment, uh, or they want to upgrade to a better item. Uh, they're willing to pay a little bit more, and they uh, want to do that from one code to another code um, within the same product category. So uh, for denial, we're starting to see uh, many patients now have the, have the resources and uh, they do want to pay for the item, whether they qualify or not. So in that case, if a provider identifies uh, a piece of equipment is going to be denied as not medically necessary uh, for coverage policy, or they feel that it may be denied due to similar equipment that has been previously paid for by Medicare, uh, they just document that on the official ABN. Uh, the patient signs it, acknowledging that they're realizing and taking financial liability, and then the equipment is provided, and the provider will receive payment for that equipment from the beneficiary. So that um, that's one use. Uh, the other use that we see quite often is the patient, for example, may qualify for a, a basic item uh, in one payment code, uh, but they want something a little bit better uh, that serves the same purpose but has other features that they don't qualify for. Um, in that case, the provider uh, writes that up on the ABN, explaining, pretty much disclosing the situation in an understandable format for the end user, so they can they can understand what they're what they're accepting. Once that happens, uh, the provider files the claim. They receive reimbursement for the qualified item, and they're allowed to charge the difference for the upgraded item uh, to the beneficiary. So it gives it it gives the beneficiary patient choice. And that's, uh, that's a really good use of it. Do you see that case a lot in the, uh, in more in the mobility world, or is that, is that across the board 
Uh, that's across the board. It's used in, in many different areas and, and is uh, acceptable in many different areas. It, it's being used more because of uh, the reimbursement cuts uh, that occurred in 2016. They were pretty sig- significant. And uh, the upgrade I'm, I'm referring to. And, uh, you know, patients, uh, they, they're used to a certain level of product and service. And uh, with the reimbursement cuts occurring, um, in some cases, their products are not the same as they were five years ago, uh, six years ago. So they still want something a little bit better, and they're able to do that and upgrade to it. Um, and that's a good use. One other area that I don't want to forget on ABNs, which is very important, many uh, beneficiaries now uh, don't want to go through the documentation paperwork. They don't want to wait a, three weeks, a month, uh, two months to receive the product. Uh, but they still have Medicare as their, their primary insurance. They can, and many are, waiving their Medicare uh, benefit. Uh, they're waiving it by signing an ABN. There's an option on there. It's option two uh, that allows the provider to uh, accept uh, payment from that patient without having to file a claim. It basically just takes Medicare out of the picture, and the patients have the ability to do that. And in that case, they can take the product today or tomorrow. They don't have to wait to go through all the face-to-face examination and everything else that's required to get from point A to point B. And so that option is starting to be utilized quite a bit. One reminder for providers that uh, are doing this is the ABN does have to be signed for a retail transaction such as that, uh, because that that definitely covers them uh, from having to submit that claim and uh, not having a violation of mandatory claim submission if the beneficiary comes back later and asks them to do it. So very important uh, that if they move in that direction, they do sign, uh, they have the patient sign that ABN. And this is what we hear as well. So, um, and it alludes to ABNs and non-assigned claims. And this is what we hear when we're out and about um, with our billing shows are, I'm going to do a claim non-assigned, so I'm going to get an ABN because it's non-assigned. What do we tell them when we're when we're hearing this on the road, Dan? Yeah, that's a very good, very good question, Rhonda. And that happens with almost every conversation uh, about non-assigned claims that you just spoke of. Um, that that is um, misunderstanding uh, very much because an ABN is not used just for a non-assigned claim. We have two different issues here: um, assignment or non-assignment, as Rhonda mentioned, is is a payment issue. Is is a fee schedule. Uh, allowable issue where the provider is not willing or able to accept the Medicare allowable, so they go non-assigned and collect what they need to to operate a business, where uh, you don't just get an ABN for that purpose. Um, as I mentioned when I began the ABN section, is an ABN is used if you believe and I've, has a, you have identified a reason for denial for medical necessity, same or similar equipment, or the patient is going to upgrade uh, to another item. So it's not an automatic. There has to be a reason for an ABN. Uh, simply to say I'm going non-assigned and I can't accept the Medicare allowable would not be an ABN document. Um, now, we would, we would always recommend if a provider does do a non-assigned claim that they do provide the patient with something in writing indicating that it is non-assigned, indicating the amount they're paying, and uh, disclosing to the patient that if this is approved, they're they will receive 80% of the Medicare allowable and not the amount they paid the provider. Uh, that's just a customer service uh, benefit, I think. That's full mm-hmm. disclosure. So the patient 
understands what they're getting into, even though not that is not require that is not a requirement of Medicare, but it's it's a good customer service practice. Right, and we actually had this um, instant instance, and we were just in Orlando for our our billing show, and we had one of the suppliers that was there. She said, "I I do not assign claims, but I get an ABN on those non assigned claims." because I'm doing them non-assigned. And we're like, what's your reason for denial? And she's like, there isn't. I'm just doing it non-assigned. And we replied to her stating, and that's not a valid ABN because it's not a valid denial reason. What she was wanting to do is relay the message to the patient that she is doing it non-assigned and how the finances are going to work because she's paying the supplier up front more money. And the patient would only get 80% of that allowable. That's not the proper form to use. So if you're going to do it like Dan had said, use something separate because they will look at it when they go home later on, they do reference those materials. So they will look at it. Yeah, correct. And if I could add one thing to that, Rhonda, um, the good point about that is, uh, and this provider at the Orlando seminar mentioned they get an ABN for all non-assigned claims. And the only reason was because it's not assigned. Providers need to be aware that if they get an ABN on a non-assigned claim and there's not a valid reason, it's just because they say it's not assigned and they're disclosing the financial arrangement. If that is audited, um, that could be uh, they could back out of the transaction because the purpose of an ABN is to hold the patient financially liable, assigned or not assigned, um, for the purpose of a denial. Uh, if it's denied for medical necessity or same or similar. So, for example, if this provider did a non-assigned claim and got that invalid ABN that we just talked about which was not detailed or they didn't have a specific reason, and that claim was denied as not medically necessary, the patient's not liable. Even though they paid up front already, the provider would have to refund the money because they didn't disclose to the patient that this would be denied in, a, in an understandable, specific reason. Correct. And I think what the um, confusion can be as well is many companies think that if I do non-assigned claims, but I don't have any liability whatsoever, which is not true. When you do a non-assigned claim, yeah, you still have to gather all that documentation to show that the coverage criteria is not, or coverage criteria has been met. And if it has not, then that's when the ABN gets implemented. But as a non-assigned claim, you still have to make sure that the orders are correct, the documentation is correct, any testing, assessments, whatever applies to that product, as if it's any other claim. They still have to gather that information and then utilize the ABN when there's a valid reason for denial or the upgrades or whatever, you know, whatever else Dan's gone into. Well, I must say, your guys' expertise and knowledge of the reimbursement world always blows me away. And I think we could we could talk about reimbursements for hours and hours. And you guys do, in fact, talk about reimbursement for hours and hours at your new Frontier Billing Show uh, can you guys let people know where they can catch you and, and some things that will be covered? Sure. Um, so we've, we've done our billing shows actually for a couple of years now, and we're always trying to make sure we're bringing um, the information that is important that we're hearing throughout the year, or even if it changes um, when we're on the road doing these shows, we will make sure we have um, information we need to share so we can get it clarified and know what um, how to handle these situations. So our shows start um, started this year with the HME, It's a New Frontier, but we do have a website that they can go to to get all the information and registration and the locations. 
That website is www.vgm.com forward slash new dash frontier, new hyphen frontier. And I want to close out to make sure that any VGM members have Dan and Rhonda uh, at their fingertips to ask them any any advice, any concerns on their reimbursement, uh, and also take a look at your billing processes for them to come in. I know that a lot of members that have you guys come in find it to be extremely helpful and kind of streamline some and, and find some efficiencies in their billing process. Uh, and so definitely want to plug you guys for, again, for the expertise that you have for our membership. But we will definitely revisit a lot of these topics, dive into them a little deeper throughout this podcast series. Dan and Rhonda, I thank you both for your time. Again, we were with Rhonda Burmester. Uh, and Dan Fedor of VGM as well as U.S. Rehab. Uh, Looking forward to having you guys back on and safe travels. That will wrap up episode number four of Industry Matters. Next week, we will be talking with Carol Albaugh of VGM Secure Tech Solutions and talk about something that may not be on the front of everyone's mind until it might be too late, which is cybersecurity and steps that providers and healthcare practitioners can take to do the best possible job to prevent cyber attacks and identify some perhaps vulnerable areas within their network. And that will do it for this week's episode of Industry Matters. Thank you for joining us, and as always, have a great week. Music